0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is June the 20th, 2022. We've been doing lots of shows recently, and certainly over the last year or two about the state of American teenagers. We did a show uh, with Darby Fox almost uh, 18 months ago now, in March, 2021, uh, asking whether the teens were okay. We were talking about her book, Rethinking Your Teenager. We also did a show with Ned Johnson and William Stixrud, both two very eminent psychologists on how to talk with your kids to build motivation stress tolerance and a happy home it seems as if the kids in particular in COVID, have been very badly affected by uh, anxiety and much of their confidence in a broad sense has been um, undermined many conversations about how to raise girls did one with the psychologist ronnie cohen sandler on raising what she calls self-reliant teenage girls in the age of the internet She has a new book out of anything but my phone mom. And we also have talked about making teens resilient, making them ready for adulthood. We did a show a couple of weeks ago with the Stanford University uh, educator, Julie Lithcott Haynes, on how to successfully grow up and become an adult. Um, Lithcott Haynes has a new book out, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. much of this is of course bound up in the mental state of of our kids particularly as i said in covid but there are other issues involved here and that's what we're going to talk about today particularly um, associated with teenage sleep there was an interesting op-ed earlier this year by my guest on the show lisa lewis why teens need more sleep uh, and how we can help them get it and lisa has a new book out based around that article the sleep deprived teen. Uh, Lisa is joining us from Southern California, a very hot Southern California. Lisa, um, is sleep the key, do you think, to all this anxiety and uncertainty around our teenagers? Is it the thing linking all these different conditions? Is it joining all the dots?
1: I think you could say that. Yes. Um, sleep really is, I've heard it described really as the glue that holds everything together. So when you think about all of the various stressors that our teens have been facing, especially these last couple of years, um, and, and the, um, resulting mental health impacts, yes, sleep actually is something that can help them because it helps with emotional resiliency. So from that standpoint, yes. I would
0: absolutely agree with that. So what's gone wrong with sleep, Lisa? Um, you've done a lot of research both for this book and uh, in your work as, a, as an analyst of this. How, how much has the average sleep of, of, of the teenager dropped, say, mm-hmm. over the last 10 or 25 years?
1: So we, we do know that sleep has actually been on this downward trajectory, that's correct. Um, some, just a couple of data points about that. So the first is that our teens should be getting eight to 10 hours of sleep every single night, and that's up until age 18. And I think that's something that isn't necessarily as widely known as perhaps it could be, because you know we always hear eight hours. Well, eight hours is the midpoint for adults. For us, we need seven to nine hours but teens need eight to 10 hours up until age 18. And at that point they transition into that adult time frame. but it's so easy to look at, you know, particularly our older teens, they, they really are looking like adults, but they're not adults yet. And so, um, just to be um, clear, the number of teens who are even hitting that minimum is really dramatically lower than it should be. So looking back at some data provided by the CDC, 2019, part of their youth risk behavior survey, at that point, they found only 22% of high schoolers were getting at least eight hours of sleep, which again, is that minimum they should be getting every single night.
0: I mean, it's very hard to control how teens sleep. I mean, you can't if you're, if you're the, the parent of, of teens and, and I my, my kids are relatively freshly out of teens, how do you insist on it? We did a show earlier today on the TikTok boom. Obviously, the Internet has played an important role here, especially when kids are alone in their bedroom. We can't guarantee that they're asleep, can we?
1: That is a really good point. So uh, tech absolutely does play into this. Um, But what I think is important to note is that the issue with teen sleep deprivation predates a lot of the tech devices that we now take for granted, like the iPhone. I mean, this was something that was already being talked about pre-iPhone. The first school to change its start times based on this research having to do with the link between school start times and teen sleep was back in 1996, and that was the Dyna-Minnesota. So, and and as you, you allude to, it's only gotten um, more difficult since then, because there are so many more demands on their time, including tech. And so, yes, tech use absolutely does play into this. Um, I think there's an important aspect to note, though, which is that there's the, the um, voluntary use of tech. You know, our teams who are on their devices, and it's part of their social lives, which is a very valid use for it, by the way. But there's also an element of tech that's just part of what they need to do for school, because so many of their assignments require them now, to do them online. You know, nobody's turning in a handwritten book report anymore, and a lot of times, just because the default tends to be 11:59 p.m. for a turn in time well so a lot of times that means that's the turn in time which obviously sort of tacitly encourages teams or any of us really to kind of wait till that last minute to work on things and turn them in
0: lisa you're not the last you're not the only person to be talking about what one writer in salon uh, called the sleep teen crisis how deep yes. is the, how deep is this crisis i mean people get used we 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 the word crisis gets I think, overused, it's thrown at everything. Why is this a crisis? Well, I'm glad
1: you you showed that article from Salon because that was actually an interview that that writer did with me about this book and this topic. Um, The reason why we describe it as a a crisis is because A, they're getting so much less than they should be getting, but B, there are real ramifications as a result of that. It's not just, oh, well, I didn't do it. Um, there are so many implications and, you know, just to to touch on them, you look at just from a school standpoint, um, when they are at school and they have to get there too early. And and when I say they have to get there, you know, required to be at your desk time. And if you're not, you're absent or you're truant that we are required to have our kids at school. So this is not, you know, an, an optional timing thing for them. But there are literally kids who are falling asleep at their desks in those 730 classes. There are other kids who are there who are awake. You know, their eyes are open, but there's not a whole lot going on be- behind the scenes. And what well, that means I mean, at is least
0: that- some people would just say, well, they should go to bed earlier. I mean, uh, you had a piece in The Atlantic and we're both in right. California about California being the first state in the nation to require later start times. But wh- why should not kids just go to bed earlier and get up earlier?
1: That is one of the main questions that people do ask. And I think it's so essential to be able to provide sort of this common basis of understanding about teen sleep because they by and large can't just go to bed earlier. So the issue is as a parent, you know, you sort of see your kid morphs and changes it all the way through as they're growing and their sleep needs, as well as the timing of that sleep changes as they get older. So what happens when they hit adolescence is there is actually a circadian rhythm shift that takes place, which means that they are no longer primed to feel sleepy as early in the evening, nor to wake up as early as they once did in the morning. So when you've got a six-year-old, you know they bound out of bed, happy and alert and ready to take on the world at what, 6.30 a.m. in the morning. If you have a teen, generally speaking, they don't do that. And that's because their, their internal body clock has shifted because of the timing of when melatonin is released which is the hormone that primes us to feel sleepy. So for teens, that doesn't happen until later in the evening, meaning they are not really able to fall asleep until about 11 o'clock at night. So even if you were able to put a teen to bed at say nine o'clock, they can't really sleep because they're not sleepy yet. And then if you just do the math on the other end, if they're supposed to be getting eight to 10 hours and they have to be sitting at their desk at 7.30, that makes it really difficult for them to get enough sleep.
0: How much of this, Lisa, has to do with the clocks and the changes in the clocks? Is this ongoing debate twice a year about whether or not we should eliminate um, the clocks changing? I think some policies have been made on this. But how much is this affecting this crisis or what at least you think as the crisis of the sleep deprived team?
1: Yeah, and you know, in fact, I actually wrote an op ed about that because there has been a movement afoot, which hopefully is not really gaining steam, to shift to permanent daylight savings time because it, it is, you know, an inconvenience. As we know, twice a year, predictably, people grumble because when you have to shift your clocks, it, 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 it absolutely does affect us. So the short answer is um, if we're going to make a shift, the recommendation is to stay on permanent standard time um, as opposed to daylight time and that's because when we switch to daylight time we are moving our clocks um, forward meaning it is an hour less light in the morning and already you know naturally just because of the the earth's trajectory around the sun we tend to have longer days during the summer but if you were to do that in November, you would see a difference. You would be getting up when it was still dark out an hour. It would be an hour darker than what you're normally accustomed to in the winter. And so um, so switching to a permanent daylight savings scenario is not recommended.
0: There'll be a lot of parents watching this, uh, Lisa. I'm guessing more parents actually than teenagers. although well, it'd be great if some teenagers were watching too. Uh, we've done some shows on... America as a parent nation. Dana Suskind from the University of Chicago has a new book out, Parent Nation, Unlocking Every Child's Potential, Fulfilling Society's Promise. To what extent is this just another ball in the parent's court? Um,
1: I'm not sure I'm following in terms of how much is in. in Well, in terms of getting these
0: kids to sleep, because I think most people Uh, would agree that. You're onto something, whether it's a major crisis or not is arguable, but certainly it's not a bad thing to sleep more. Uh, But as any parent, and I'm sure you have kids, as any parent of teenagers will tell you or preteens, it's incredibly hard to get these kids to go to sleep if they don't feel like it, if they don't want to, if they're not in the mood for it. So what can parents do?
1: Yes. Well, so there's a couple things. The first is I would say that this actually is a crisis. I mean, this has been called out by numerous groups. So when we look at the issue of school start times, which is a public issue, and that's something that can be changed, that is cutting into our team's sleep um in the morning hours and it literally is cutting into their sleep it's cutting into their REM sleep because they're being asked to wake earlier than when yeah, you get problem, those eight but to 10 hours. A
0: crisis is you know well
1: I mean, actually so
0: December
1: yeah I was just going to say December 2021 the U.S. Surgeon General actually did issue a special advisory calling the state of mental health among kids and teens of public health crisis. And as part of that, one of the specific recommendations was not to have schools start too early in the morning. So that is the official recommendation. And as a policy recommendation, it has been out there and recommended since 2014. That was the year that the American Academy of Pediatrics did issue a policy statement recommending that middle and high schools start no earlier than 8.30 in the morning because of the impact that too early start times have on teen health and the resulting ramifications in terms of health and well-being. So that really is a major piece of this, and I I don't want to to have that get lost in the discussion. However, as you point out, there are also pieces that we as parents can affect in our homes having to do with the the evening side of that equation. Now, bearing in mind, teens are not, they can't just, you know, go to bed, say at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. Generally speaking, they're not going to be able to fall asleep unless they're just so utterly exhausted. So, you know, there are still sleep hygiene, um, recommendations that we can make in our homes. And there, there are so many ways we can sabotage our sleep, I guess, is a better way to put it. You know, if you've got a teen who's staying up until 1.30 playing video games, well, yeah, that is sabotaging their sleep. That's very clear. So there are common sense guidelines um, when it comes to tech use. There are actually official guidelines too. Uh, for instance, again, American Academy of Pediatrics recommends no tech use an hour before bedtime. So you know we can get into that if you'd like, just in terms of what are some of the specific best practices that
0: parents can. Yeah, but you can't tell a 16-year-old that they'll just tell you to piss off, right? I mean, how many do you have kids? <laughs> I do indeed. I have a how 17-year-old. Are
1: a 17-year-old and a 20-year-old. Well, so if I'm, you tell
0: your 17-year-old no tech an hour before bed, they'll just laugh at you, won't they?
1: Well, so here is, the, I actually have an entire chapter on tech in the book because I think there's so much to say about it. Um, and part of it is realistic advice for parents on how to implement tech rules because if you are suddenly doing it and you've had no you know, guidelines whatsoever, that, that is definitely a more difficult position to be in. Um, it is important to get their buy-in. As as you alluded to, you can't just suddenly stand up and pronounce that this is the new way it's going to be. So it really has to be grounded in some of this um, baseline information. So I recommend you start from the standpoint of making sleep a priority in our households. Um, It's something that It's important for us as adults to be getting the recommended amount of sleep and far too many adults aren't either. It's important for us to be letting our teens know they should be getting eight to 10 hours and letting them see that we make it a priority and that we are walking the talk. So that's part of it too. So if it's something like all devices get charged outside the bedrooms, which is an official recommendation, that means not just theirs, it means ours too. So it's things like that that I think have to be part of it. And then it's also-
0: Right. Some people be watching this and thinking, this is just another feature of helicopter parent, parents getting too obsessed with their kids. It's certainly, you know, for one parent, families, for parents, for for families, for parents doing two or three jobs who aren't home a lot of the time. This seems to be a a luxury item, isn't it? And I'm assuming that the crisis of sleep affects socioeconomic growth groups differently, does it?
1: It does indeed. And in fact, there are sleep disparities. So when you talk about socioeconomic groups, that's a really critical point here because sleep is an equity issue. By and large, if you are in a lower socioeconomic um, household, you tend to sleep worse. And that's because of additional factors that are affecting your sleep. So um, for instance, you can have issues having to do with uh, noise levels where you live, noise levels within the home environment, if it's crowded, if you're sharing a room, um, if you're going to bed hungry, if you don't feel safe, all of these are things that do affect sleep. So for teens who are in um, these kind of situations, giving them every opportunity to get enough sleep is even more important. And so what they have found...
0: But but coming back to this, I mean, these are more substantial reasons than just sleep. Sleep seems to be epiphenomenal. So the challenge would be to change the economic structure of society to do away with inequality or to give parents or certainly single parents more support from the state and then sleep would benefit from that. What about eating habits? You mentioned um, children going to bed hungry, which may affect their sleeping habits. Yeah, um, you, you, you've. Uh, I, I, you, I know you think that um, eating habits, both underweight and overweight, are also connected with sleep.
1: Well, so to the point of the article you just put up there. So, uh, Dr. Charlotte Markey is somebody I spoke with about this for Psychology Today. So, issues of hunger absolutely can affect your sleep, as we were just talking about in terms of sleep disparities. But one of the effects of being sleep deprived is that it does affect appetite because the two hormones that keep our appetite in balance are not in balance as much when we are sleep deprived so there is actually a link between chronic sleep deprivation and obesity so that's when you start getting into what are some of the health implications of chronic sleep deprivation
0: well it's certainly a complicated issue i think um, i think most parents would acknowledge that there is a, a big problem here lisa has an important new book out the sleep deprived Teen why teenagers are so tired and how parents and schools can help them thrive it's certainly something in it although as i said i think there's cause and effect here as, as well uh, lisa what else should people be reading in addition to your new book on sleep deprived um, teens
1: well in parenting books there's a couple books that i would recommend um it's i I'm hoping the connectivity is okay i just had a little up there okay so two actually there's one that just came out i recommend it's called wanting what's best parenting privilege and building a just world and it's by sarah w jaffe um and that just came out a couple of weeks before my book did and in that she's really looking into at, at all stages of the parenting journey the kinds of choices we make as parents and looking at it through a lens that is not just focused on what's best for our kids, but on the ripple effect that those decisions have on other kids as well. So, really kind of being mindful of the broader impact and the fact that we can look at it in terms of collective actions rather than just narrowly um, uh, looking at these actions. So, that's a, a really intriguing book. And I actually have a second one too, if that's okay.
0: Of course.
1: Okay, a book that came out last year, so still relatively new. And and the other one is called Making It, What Today's Kids Need for Tomorrow's World. And that's by Stephanie Malia Krauss. Um, And that really is looking through sort of all these external forces that are profoundly reshaping our kids' worlds, what it means, things like, she goes into, what does it mean to live in an open source society? And, you know, delves into what that is and gives a roadmap for, What are the kind of core competencies and interpersonal skills that our kids need to develop so that they can thrive in this world where we have all these other forces that are that are now um, sort of at play? So that I think is also a really intriguing read.
0: Excellent.